Welcome to the Center for Grassland Studies podcast series. I'm your host, Margo McKendry, Program Coordinator for the Center. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Jerry Steinauer, botanist with Nebraska Game and Parks in Aurora, Nebraska. Our topic is Sandhills Wet Meadows. Thank you for joining me, Jerry. Morning, Margo. Now, wet meadows are a fascinating part of the Sandhills landscape. They're generally defined by their shallow water tables. Could you explain why a wet meadow has a shallow water table, please? The sand hills are basically a huge pile of sand and that rainwater snowmelt percolates down through the dunes. It forms a high groundwater table. And where those valleys intersect the groundwater table, that's where we get the lakes, the marshes, and the wet meadows, a very unique ecosystem. How did Euro-American settlement affect the hydrology of wet meadows? The settlers came into the sand hills, the ranchers, and they saw a lot of potential hay harvest in those meadows. And they were so wet that they could not get into them with their haying equipment. So starting in the late 1800s even, they started using all types of methods to try to drain the meadows from simple dynamite to dragging plows through the meadows to drain the water away. From what I understand, they did a ton of shrub clearing with cutters and chaining over the years. And as equipment became more modernized, their methods became more efficient and modernized also. And then the other thing, you know, these ranchers are ancestors from Europe. They were familiar with a lot of European forage grasses. So even at, at beginning in the 1890s, they started seeding smooth brome into these meadows and later reed canary grass, which I think I and a lot of other people think was a huge mistake. Speaking of plant community, what was the native plant community prior to Euro-American settlement and how has it changed? Well, the meadows varied in wetness from, you know, somewhat wet to really wet. A lot of native warm season grasses and sedges were in the somewhat drier parts and then it phased into a more rush sedge, bull rush dominated communities, but these communities also had an abundance of wildflowers. And what the ditching and annual haying has done has shifted this to a predominance of non-native plants in, in most meadows. And we've, we've lost the native plants and the native biodiversity through you know a century of specific management. Okay, and you just mentioned diversity. So how has the change affected the natural functioning diversity and resilience of the wet meadow system? By losing all the native plants, we've probably degraded the meadows for pollinators, other wildlife. And from a grazing standpoint, I think we've lost a lot of really valuable native forage plants. We've lost the diversity of our forage base. We're totally reliant on these cool season plants and exotic clovers. I don't think we realize the uh, forage value of the native plants that we've lost. You know, I was in the meadow the other day, was is dominated by a, a native plant called Nebraska sedge. It has uh, half the protein value of alfalfa, very nutritious. It, it's green in February, so it can be grazed somewhat even in February. Those exotic cool seasons, you know, you can't start grazing those to at least April. I think the more we lose our diversity, uh, we're kind of painting ourselves into a corner forage-wise, management-wise with these wet meadows. 
I'm a true believer in all our native plant communities is working with nature, what nature has given us, then trying to manipulate it to meet specific needs. There's examples in other parts of Nebraska where I think ranchers are realizing they've shifted their forage base too much to exotic cool seasons and they're doing burning and specific grazing to bring bring back the native forage grasses and forbs and wildflowers. So can these wet meadows be successfully restored to previous conditions? And if so, how might this be done? It, it could be very challenging. What I fear is that reed canary grass, I just keep seeing it. It was originally planted in certain meadows and all these forage grasses just spread onto the neighbor's meadows downstream. I fear how much it will dominate, become to dominate wet meadows. And it's, it's, they found it's not a great forage plant. It becomes filled with alkaloids mid-season. It becomes very stimmy, and it's really displacing it. You can see meadows just totally dominated by reed canary grass, you know. But I have seen ranchers that are using prescribed fire in their meadows now, to set back reed canary doing early spring grazing, very intense grazing to set back reed canary in these other cool seasons. And I was just on a ranch two weeks ago in Western Cherry County and, and their results are, are, I thought pretty dramatic from for setting back reed canary and seeing some of these natives start to flourish again. But we're never gonna get rid of these exotics. You know, it's gonna be continual management. You know, we're gonna be fighting to set them back, give the native plants a chance. Those exotics are going to still keep trying to force their dominance. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a continuous project. Same way as we in eastern Nebraska try to keep Kentucky bluegrass and smooth brome out of our native tallgrass prairies, we can set it back, make the not natives come back, but we got to continually do that. So producers are going to have to be vigilant about that. Yes, but I was the rancher I was on. He thinks, well, they think they've really put more weight on their cattle or their livestock by doing this. Oh, really? They're utilizing these cool seasons better. Natives are increasing. Uh, they were impressed, and I was impressed. It takes a lot of creative thinking to do this. And uh, Now, I've heard most wet meadows in Nebraska are on private property, um, what do you think the role of state and federal agencies is in managing and or restoring wet meadows? And what are agencies like Nebraska Game and Parks and Natural Resources Conservation doing relative to managing and or restoring wet meadows? You know, the advantage of having these conservation lands is that, you know, they, they aren't as dependent as private ranchers on income. They can experiment more with wet meadow management I think one of the places that I see doing the most experimenting and they're just getting into it is the Valentine National Wildlife Refuge. They've started burning some of their wet meadows. I think they're going to try to incorporate more grazing like patchburn grazing into it. You know, the, some of the conservation lands had flaws too. They, you know, historically they thought, well, the best thing to do is just let these meadows rest and grow wild. But the after a couple of years, the thatch accumulation becomes so thick that the non-native exotics move in. They degrade as wildlife habitat. So I, 
I think even conservation groups are shifting their paradigm of how these wet meadows need to be managed. They need to be actively managed with grazing, with fire. An idled meadow, meadow is, that practice can be almost as poor as over-managing a meadow with continual midsummer haying. So we need this happy balance of utilization. You know, historically, prior to settlement, they were grazed by bison. They burned. And we have to keep those disturbances in the wet meadow system to promote the plants and the wildlife diversity. And in the process, we keep a great forage resource. Very good. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add on this topic before we get ready to close out? You know, one thing I didn't talk about, you know, there are certain wildflowers like the prairie fringed orchid that have really declined in these wet meadows. It's mainly found in the eastern sandhills, but you can find it in the western. It's a federally threatened species now. But in these meadows where it gets hayed every midsummer, you know, the orchid blooms in early, late June and early July. So when you hay it, it never gets a chance to produce seed. The orchid needs to build up its root reserves in late summer so it can send up a new sprout. You know, you take those photosynthesizing leaves off, it can't do that. And that's why it's become very rare. And there's other wildflowers and native plants. The same thing has happened. If we can diversify our meadow management, do things creatively, we can help conserve a lot of these plants that are becoming rare in the wet meadows. And there's there's a lot of conservation groups that will help ranchers do this, you know, give them financial support, help them think through changing meadow management and I, th- I think it will benefit both conservation and the rancher in the long term. Thank you for providing this information. I appreciate it. And for your time again. Thank you. Well, it's been fun, Margo. Now, I will mention that Jerry will be speaking more on this topic when he gives a presentation entitled Sand Hills Wet Meadows, A Botanist's Perspective as part of the Nebraska Grazing Conference taking place August 9, 10, and 11 in Kearney, Nebraska. To learn more about the conference or how to register, go to grassland.unl.edu. Thank you for listening.